Blog Talk Radio. Back from vacation. Welcome back to Lifted Valley. How you doing, guys? Hi, Nancy. Hey, hi. It's good. Good to be back. Did you have fun on your vacation? Well, I don't know if I could call it fun, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to have fun on it. When you call it a vacation, it's supposed to be fun. Yeah. So we're back at Lifted Valley. I had a few changes happening during the uh, summertime. I hope uh, you guys had all some fun. But unfortunately, uh, we found out that uh, Karen and Liam have moved on. And uh, Karen's moving up to a new project, and Liam's going to university, so we wish him the best of luck in their future endeavors. Absolutely. Uh, we got a great show today. Uh, starting, um, we got a very special guest, but we also have a, a regular friend of the podcast. Uh, we have Dan with us. Hey, Dan, how you doing? Hey, how's it going? It's going great. Good. And uh, we, have, uh, we have a full show, and we've got lots of things going on. And like I said, we have a very special guest. Um, let me introduce this guy. He's pretty special because he's pretty kick-ass, I think. <laughs> His name is Wyatt Scott. He's an independent running for MP in the Mission Matsui Fraser Canyon. Did I get that correctly? You got that right. Oh, awesome. We're going to have the, we're gonna be taking a lot of questions towards uh, for for you there, uh, Wyatt, and uh, we're going to try to probe you in depth. Sounds try to, good. Try to pull everything out of you. <laughs> so, gentlemen and ladies... Anything you guys would like to talk to before we go into our usual things here at the uh, Left of the Valley? Let's hit it. Sounds good. Yeah, perfect. All right. So I guess we'll start out with our usual with This Day in History. And This Day in History is a roundup of those events and individuals that altered and illuminated August the 17th to August the 30th, which is today. Starting back in August the 17th, that was an interesting day called Portunalia from the Roman Empire and Portunus was an ancient Roman god and he was the god of keys, gates, doors and livestock <laughs> that's, that's an all purpose god if I ever heard one and the word, yeah and actually the word portal or porta uh, came from his name and he protected grain warehouses and barns and uh, eventually came associated with ports and harbors and in order to celebrate his day, this is really unusual uh, when we look back, but his day was celebrated by a solemn celebration of throwing keys into a fire for good luck. I have <laughs> no idea. Of, you know, keys into a fire. Keys into a fire, and that was a, a solemn occasion, and that was that was good luck. Feel free, by the way, guys, if you want to jump yeah, in. Yeah, jump in. Don't, don't be afraid. I'm going to try throwing a key in a fire tonight, okay? Let's see if, right. it, for good see luck. if it works. Mm. Yeah, Here at Left of the Valley, we're kind of skeptical about this kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but let us know if it works. I will let we're, you know we're if it works. open-minded. Skeptical, but open-minded. Uh, August the 20th was World Mosquito Day. What? Uh, 
day for mosquitoes, but actually it was a commemoration of a British doctor, Sir Ronald Ross's discovery in 1897 that female mosquitoes transmit malaria between humans. And it's a good thing Sarah isn't here, who is one of our feminist friends. Uh, she'd, uh, she'd take us to task for that one, for sure. The female um, of the species is yeah, deadlier than the male. exactly. Uh, 1858, uh, on the 20th, that was when Charles Darwin first published his theory of evolution through natural selection. And he did it in the journal of uh, the Proceedings of Linnaean Society of London. And during that time, there was also another um, biologist and researcher whose name was Alfred Russell Wallace. Has anybody heard of, of him? He came up with pretty much the same conclusions. And uh, it's a very interesting tangled web of stories if anyone wants to look a little bit uh, further into Charles Darwin and Alfred Russell Wallace. Uh, August 25th, moving on, is Liberation Day in Paris. Um, and August the 25th, started a really interesting hoax in the um, newspapers in, in London in 1835, and it was a moon hoax. Everybody thinks we're talking about people who don't believe that um, people actually landed on the moon, but in 1835 there was an original moon hoax and thousands of people fell for it and it was a uh, newspaper in the New York, it was called New York Sun and they reported an incredible new astronomical observation of the moon supposedly made by a well-known astronomer called John Herschel. So they published a series of articles with illustrations showing that a powerful telescope picked up detailed descriptions of winged beings, plants, animals, sapphire temples, and so forth. It increased the sales and subscriptions because it was a fledgling newspaper, and they never admitted that it was a hoax, but they ended it, this was so good, they ended the series by saying that the observations had been terminated by the destruction of the telescope by means of the sun causing the lens to act as a burning glass therefore setting fire to the observatory. <laughs> That's how they ended it. But years later, they, they never really retracted it, but uh, it, it came out that the editor was the guy that started it. Anyway, August 26th, I love those kind of stories. August 26th uh, was Women's Equality Day, National Dog Day, and Wyatt Scott's birthday. So a belated happy birthday to Wyatt. Yay, yeah. happy birthday. Is that fortuitous that you're, you're here shortly after your birthday? <laughs> Um, and you turned 18, right? 18, at least. Yeah, With so some years of experience. Maybe 19. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, on August 26, 1973, the Humanist Manifesto II was announced, and uh, that was a replacement which was written in 1933. Um, and here's the most quoted passage from that. Uh, we appreciate the need to preserve the best ethical teachings and the religious traditions of humankind, many of which we share in common, that we reject those features of traditional religious morality that deny humans a full appreciation of their own potentialities and responsibilities. Good stuff. August 28th was uh, Dream Day, the day that Martin Luther King gave his dream speech um, in, in Washington. And way back in 1837, if I say these, these, the name of these two pharmacists, can you 
guess the product that I'm going to talk about, if I say Lee and Perrins, and they're from England, what did Lee and Perrins... Worcester tire Hey, there you go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I could tell, but I could read off her page. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. No one knows but us. Uh, they began the manufacture of uh, Worcestershire sauce, uh, and when they first made it, it was awful. So they stuck it in a cellar, and by accident, they went back after a year, and it was wonderful. So it has to age like wine and whiskey. So here's the trivia question. Um, in Canada, there's not so much a love of Worcestershire sauce, but HP sauce. So where did the name HP come from? Well, it's not Hewlett Hewlett Packard. No, no. What is it? House of Parliament. Oh, wow. because the. Oh, that will explain why it's so thick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, thick brown sauce. Exactly. It, it, the, uh, it wasn't originally HP, but the uh, originator found that they were serving it in the Houses of Parliament, so he changed the name real quick to HP Sauce. I didn't know that either. Interesting. Uh, also, on the uh, 28th um, was uh, the invention of Pepsi-Cola, so a lot of liquid flowing uh, on, the, on the 28th. That was it developed in 1893, and it was originally introduced as Brad's Drink. But then it was renamed Pepsi-Cola. So, um, August the 30th, National Toasted Marshmallow Day. So, everybody go home and toast marshmallows today to be in step with the time. So, here's this is a great story. This is this is one of those stories I live I live <laughs> to find out. Well, let me get comfortable. Uh, here we go. Yeah, in Hagerstown, um, Maryland, there was a, uh, a minor league baseball team and they were called the Hagerstown Suns. It was a minor league baseball team and they had to do everything they could to, to pull in the crowds because it, uh, it, it's tough. Even people want to see major league, they're not so interested in minor league. So they had Children's Day and Grandfather's Day and so forth. So on Sunday they started a promotion whereby people got a discount in exchange for showing the church bulletin. Aha! So this was running pretty well, and uh, on a Sunday when they were running this, then they were playing a game against the Piedmont Bowl Weevils. <laughs> An interesting guy um, named Carl Silverman decided to take his family to the game, and the the uh, ticket taker said, where's your church bulletin? And he said, what church bulletin? I'm not religious. Why do I have to show my bulletin? And the ticket taker said, no problem. Here's the bulletin. We've got one right here, and you get your discount. So Carl Silverman got his back up and decided this was absolute discrimination, and he got the ACLU, and they decided they were going to sue the Hagerstown Sons for discrimination. So it went to court, ACLU got really excited, and the court ruled in favor of, anybody want to guess? The Suns. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was a 35-page ruling, and the judge said that actually there really wasn't a requirement. It was a promotional deal, but as long as you didn't actually have to show them the bulletin, 
they weren't discriminating. It took her 35 pages to put this, you know, to put this out in the public. This is why lawyers are rich. It, exactly. So it, it 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 was funny because as long as the church bulletin doesn't have to genuinely exist, they can continue to advertise it as a church bulletin discount. So uh, eventually, what the sons did was they said, "Okay, you can bring in a bulletin of any nonprofit that you want," and that's how they they resolved it, so that they wouldn't have this continually uh, happening again. But that's one of the few cases of discrimination where you'd figure it'd be a slam dunk or a home run. Sorry about that. And uh, but it, it worked out totally the opposite. And. That, dear listeners, brings to a close another passing parade of interesting, mundane, unusual, and occasionally bizarre, I love the bizarre, events and people that make up this day in history. Nancy, you always have the weirdest stories, and they always involve baseball in some way, shape, or form. I know. What is it about baseball? I, I, baseball? What is it they used to do on Saturday night? Like baseball being good to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can say that as another incarnation of a baseball being good to me. <laughs> That's awesome. And we'll be right back right after this. Interested in a particular topic? Never wonder where we find all this information. The Common Sense Canadian is a forum for critical discussion of the key issues shaping our world today. Water, energy, food security, and how we manage our resources to the public benefit while preserving our environment. So go to commonsensecanadian.ca. It's uncommonly sensible. All right, we're back. Now, I know you guys are really excited to try to pick Wyatt's brain, but we got to remember this is a bit of an atheist show, so I want to do a few things before we get there. But I promise I'm going to keep the majority of the show for Wyatt. Fair enough? Sounds good. Okay. Now, if I tell you guys something, a website called Ashley Madison, does that ring a bell to you? It does. It does, huh? It does. I think it might have been in the news. Okay, perfect. Because this is... Perfect. We're going to talk about this a little bit. See what you guys think about this. So, Ashley Madison apparently is a site that caters primarily to people looking to have an affair. Tele research will show that many single people also frequent that site. And this is from Gawker.com. In 2013, there is a conservative reality TV star, Josh Duggar. You guys heard of him? Wow. He's from TLC 19 Kids and Counting. He was uh, named the executive director of the Family Research Council, which is a conservative lobbying group in D.C., which seeks to, quote, champion marriage and family as the foundation of civilization, the seedbed of virtue, and the wellspring of society. You guys can tell where I'm going with this, right? Yes. So during that time, he also maintained a paid account of, on Ashley Madison, which is, of course, the site that's created expressly to cheat if you can. Uh, in May 2015, Duggar was also forced to resign after In Touch Weekly reported that he had molested five young girls, four of whom were his own sisters, beginning in 2002. When the accusations became public, the family went to crisis mode, insisting that Josh had reformed and that the media covering the claims was intent on exploiting women. So in 2014, he seems to have started a second account that was linked to his home in Oxon Hill, Maryland, 
where he spent his time lobbying against causes like same-sex marriage. The first thing listed on the data for Duggar's first account is February 3rd, 1988, one month off Duggar's actual birthday on March 3rd. The birthday listed for the second account is March 2nd. Now, is this guy really the, uh, this is apparently the conservative family value guy. <laughs> you guys have any thought on this guy? Oh, he's such a hypocrite. Did, you knew about the, the show, what is it, 19 Kids and, yeah, 19 and Counting? I, I have heard of it and never watched it. No, I've, then, I've seen I, the, pro, the promos, but that's as close as I can get yeah. to it. You know, my, my freak fact. I might have seen him on People Magazine or something like that. Mm. But I, to be honest, I hardly even watch cable. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, you know what? TLC used to be a very good channel, but I don't know what happened. Now it's all about winning dreams and stuff like that. Mm. Any thoughts, Warren? Um, I, you know, my mom said if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything <laughs> at all. Yeah. That's a that's a fair that's a fair statement. Well, I was reading. I I read a column. Uh, I guess it was last week by Dan Savage, and I think he he brought the most common sense to it, which he said what people do in their their sex life or the relationships that's up to them. And it's in a way it's despicable that they outed everybody. Yeah. But he said the only benefit was that it does expose the hypocrites and it does allow you to see some you know the politicians or the people who who preach and stand for family values but in their own personal life they um, they're they're despicable and they they don't honor their commitments in that sense he feels as though it's it's benefit anything that outs those kind of people so that you can rid them you know from our from our presence that that's fine and this is this is definitely part of the problem with politics i, I mean if these people want to you know claim that they have all these values and you should adhere to them otherwise keep it real <laughs> i'm a human being i've made so many mistakes i've learned from those mistakes yeah, coming here to this podcast probably was one of them right and uh, <laughs> <laughs> i think unless you're willing to admit and and to share those those mistakes and and the learning opportunities and the growing that you've had from why would you want to get up and um you know lead the group that's kind of yeah. my two bits on that well apparently the uh the uh, actually mentioned as part of Avid Life Media, which is a Toronto company, it's a Canadian company. The hackers are called, calling themselves the Impact Team, and there is a rumor apparently that folks out there that the Impact Team is a conservative Christian group, but that's substantiated. I could not confirm that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Can't talk to you apparently. Um, but the, the question arises that you know, first we, all, we always have the interpretation as yeah, good for them, they got they got caught kind of thing. But do they really deserve exposure? These people. I mean, there's something that pe- people uh, have brought up on the Patios blog and all that. Some of these uh, people, it's not just here in Canada or the U.S., you know, some of these people like in Saudi Arabia, if, if you're a woman, for example, that's, you know, not in a very happy marriage over there and you do know, you're using a website like that, your life is in danger now. That's true. Because these people hack and just posted that all over the place. That is very true. It's a, it's a double-edged sword for sure. It's, it's a difficult them. issue. Anything involving marriage is a difficult issue. I've I've met people who, you know, you, you, I don't know, but you you think to yourself, why are these people even married? I mean, uh, and you wonder. Yeah. And then, um, but they have to work that out for themselves. But it's very interesting, you know. It's not just this Josh guy. Um, 
There's been a lot of other people. I think there's been some politicians in Canada exposed for that. I think there was 50,000 people from Ottawa alone is what I had heard wow, on the radio. Wow, that's, that's a and number I hadn't heard, but yeah, that's, large, that's an amazing number of people. <laughs> yeah, a large percentage of them, I think, were probably involved heavily in our political yeah. and, system. And, and here's the thing, you know, what is the message coming from, from them and fr- from the, the political system in general? It's obviously... Uh, if for, for the party in power, it's obviously conservative marriage, family values, and yet, uh, and not to say that they are members of that particular group, but um, but as a person, you have to always um, say to yourself, um, what, uh, what, where do I stand? And um, and these other people, you know, you can't just be misled because other people are doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely agree. Uh, and it's kind of funny. Something just came out very recently in the last couple of days. Um, I'm not sure how true that is, but they're talking about apparently there was only like 1,500, 2,000 women on that site, and the rest of them were all guys. I did hear that. Too. I, I heard that. I don't know how true that is. I, I have a tendency to think that's, it's that's not. That's been on some major blogs. So I, yeah, but I, I, have a tendency I, but I don't know. How, how could it even be possible, really? Well, if they have the data, I mean, at least from yeah. the data that was stolen. Anyway. Yeah, I, I'd like to see that data. Yeah. I, I remain a bit skeptical, but, yeah. you know, it's uh, because if there's 50,000 just in Ottawa, and this <laughs> website is all over the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I think they uh, even, I heard them talking on NW the other day about uh, uh, fighting with North Korea. The site actually tried to take North Korea to court over not allowing them into the country. But in the first 24 hours or something of of them getting up in North Korea, they had over 40,000 people uh, sign into it. Wow. Yeah, you would think. (laughs) (laughs) It makes you wonder. And do not satisfy with Kim Jong-un, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. Anything you wanted to add, Nancy, as the no, lone female I, amongst us today? No, no, no. I, you know, as I said, I, you know, for for innocent people to have their their lives exposed and turned upside down and and be subject to, um, in, in many cases, you know, the most extreme kinds of punishment, you know, that's that's horrible. And um, you know, there's got to be another way to be able to expose. The few who are hypocritical and have spent the majority of lives of their lives condemning other people while engaging in the same behavior, but um, I, th- I think it's a bad, bad way to do it. And I, I hope, you know, I hope nothing on this scale happens again. But here we are in the age of high tech and exposure, and people like liking to sit and, and giggle. So I would imagine that sometime in the near future we're going to be discussing something like this. We're yeah. pretty close to you it. Bet. Well, yeah. you're right. Again. Well said. I, I I think there was a couple. They they said there was maybe a couple suicides that were linked to the the exposure as well, mm. and that really leads you to think. You know what what direction is our society heading when when we do have groups that you know want to out these people, but you know what are those people thinking in the first place? Going and signing up for a website like that. And knowing they're putting their family at risk, absolutely, and having to live that kind of uh, well, oh, hidden life. I, I know, I know, Ashley Madison's got a reputation of you know being that the, the cheater site, but there's also single people going on that site too, right? It's also a, da- a dating site, just like uh, what's that one, Plenty of Fish, and stuff like that, right? Is it? Well, in in that sense, in that sense, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not just exclusively cheating couples or something okay. like that, right? Okay. Uh, or you can have the swingers and stuff like that, too. If you do a bit of research, you realize that. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I feel, I feel bad because, of course, it exposes also credit card information, I guess, and stuff like that. So, I feel bad for these people. Mm-hmm. When these websites first started coming out, the, the dating websites, like you say, 
Um, I, I had a, a best friend in school, and uh, she actually met a guy online. Uh, he was from the U.S., from, from Texas, and she was from British Columbia. And um, they had talked for a couple of years online, and then she actually moved down there after she graduated to... Um, her parents were not happy about that, but she went down there and uh, she met this man and uh, they got married. He came back up here. Uh, they've actually been married happily ever since. So oh, well. in, in a way, I guess there are a lot of success stories out there with online dating, but I think that um, you should probably pick your approach very, very carefully. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like anything else. Responsible behavior is responsible, and there are predators out there. And uh, I think hacking is maybe a form of predatory behavior. I don't mm-hmm. know. What do you think? Why, why is she looking at me when she's saying that? <laughs> <laughs> are you a hacker, Kevin? Yeah. <laughs> no, I might have predatory behavior. Is that what yeah. you're saying? Yeah. That's what you're saying, Nancy. You, you're so, is there a reason why you're so overly sensitive? <laughs> the, com- the comments made by Nancy are not necessarily those of the Left of the Valley podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we get a, a little reformation report from our, our friend uh, Alistair in uh, Chilliwack. We'll play that and we'll be back. It's a little five minute thing. We'll be right back. Welcome to a new and long overdue edition of the Reformation Report, brought to you by me, the Reformed, sitting out here in Chilliwack at the uh, First United Congregation of New Atheism. All right, let's just jump straight into this because I don't have a lot of time. Um, On the 15th of June, 2015, the city of Abbotsford voted to fly the Pride flag on July 13th for Pride Week. This was celebrated as a victory for the LGBTQ community, and it was. However, on the same day that the flag was raised, City Council also adopted uh, an official flag protocol. City Manager George Murray said that the rainbow flag, like many other interest group flags, now does not qualify to be flown in the future. Nonetheless, social progress remains resilient, and the LGBTQ community and its allies will continue to fight to have the flag flown every year. Adopt a Park. Now, recently, Aaron Baines from the uh, Fraser Valley Atheist Skeptics and Humanist Group shared that there is a, a sign going in at the Gardner Park in Abbotsford to notify park users that in 2011, uh, the Fraser Valley Atheist Skeptics and Humanists Group adopted the park. Aaron said that anyone can go and pick up garbage whenever they want, but they have to let them know so that we can keep attractive of it for the city. Uh, he has all the supplies that people need. And uh, he also said that the group also have an option to adopt another park or street in Abbotsford and signs will be put up. So this kind of inspired members of the group in Chilliwack to contact the city of Chilliwack about their own Adopt-a-Park, Adopt-a-Trail program. And a list of parks and trails are now available uh, for adoption. They're online. And hopefully uh, members will have a park or a trail in Chilliwack to care for too. The whole point of these activities is to promote the group, uh, but also to demonstrate to the public that atheists, skeptics, and humanists, we're decent people too. You know, we're capable of caring for the community and environment. Um, and there doesn't need to be any other motivator apart from caring. 
It should be noted, however, that not one religious organization in Chilliwack has adopted a park or a trail. Interesting. All right, school bus fees. The Chilliwack School Board voted to bring back bus fees this April, with fees starting in September. That's a few weeks away here. Families using the service, the bus service, will have to pay between $215 and $700 a year, depending on the individual circumstances. Uh, the fees have to be paid as soon as possible, although there's no deadline. Parents are being asked to register their children online. Uh, however, if you can't afford to pay this amount, there is a subsidy for low-income families or families who can demonstrate that they cannot afford the fees. But let's face it, in this current ultra-conservative um, environment that we have uh, fiscally, how many families in this day and age can possibly pull any more cash out of their pockets for something like this? If anyone has an issue with this, I suggest you contact Jerry Flakowski at School District 33 office at 703-1781. Okay, finally, Chilliwack has a new support group online and in the community for people suffering from mental health issues. Chilliwack's Nature Calls Mental Illness Support Group is a group on Facebook that supports individuals suffering from mental health issues by organizing outdoor activities. For many people suffering from mental illness, stigma and isolation are major factors in their lack of recovery. The group organizes small group hikes, walks, and other outdoor activities as a means of bringing people together in safe places with safe people. And so far, it's been an absolutely roaring success. So, anyway, that's about it from me. Um, hopefully it won't be as long as the next one. And uh, enjoy the rest of the show uh, with Kevin. All right, take care, people. Bye-bye. We're back. Let's see if we got our voice levels correct here. Have a chance to Everybody here? Yes? Cool. Yeah. Okay, cool. Matthew, you here? Liking I'm that back. background I'm music. Back. Yeah, awesome. Okay, now this is it. We're digging into what it's got today. Hey, that's me. Yes, it is you. We're going to be asking hey. a whole bunch of questions and we're going to strip you completely naked. You, you are, are here. Shovel. You are wait a minute, wait a minute. There's a lady present. <laughs> okay, we're, we're, we're exposing what it's got as much as possible today. <laughs> First of all, oh. For all this, I want. Did you guys see Wyatt's commercial? I did. Mm-hmm. I did. Okay. Uh, everyone I know on Facebook has seen it. Yeah. Okay. It's well, really something. Well, hold on a sec. I actually have it here. I know it's, this is radio, but I still want to play this actually because I think it's such a good commercial. Oh, I gotta stop this thing. Hey, I'm Wyatt Scott, and I'm running for Parliament for the new riding of Mission Matsui Fraser Canyon. I'm an independent candidate, and I'm here to fight for Canada! University is too damn expensive. <laughs> like healthcare, social programs should be expanded, not cut. The indigenous people aren't even protected by their own government. Change is coming to Canada, and I'm here to lead that charge. Are you ready for the shift? I am. My name's Wyatt Scott, and I'm running for Parliament! That's right, that's right, that's right. 
okay. That was just too awesome. First, okay, I got I got to start with this, White. I got to start. Well, th- first of all, thank you so much for coming. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> I got to start with this commercial. Where, where did you get the idea for this? This is brilliant. This is innovative. It's new. It's funny. That's what they're saying. Yeah, uh, we we knew that running as an independent. What the hell's going on here, sir? No problem. We we knew that running as an independent. Uh, I mean, that's a something way out of left field and uh, definitely challenging. We wanted to get some attention. We wanted to bring some light to what we were we were going to do, and so we thought we need an attention grabber. I, I put a call out to on Craigslist, and I was said I was looking for uh, student filmmakers or somebody who wanted to get on a project that might be very unique. And I had a lot of responses. Eventually, a group by the name of Three Amigos, we uh, kind of agreed on a on a take and uh, worked back and forth for a few months online and eventually got into a studio in Vancouver and we, we came up with this video. So it was just made by students and... They're actually not students. They were students. They all work full-time jobs. Um... It, you know they're they're all twenty to thirty years old kind of a thing, and they're actually a really unique group of people. They just they were fun, flamboyant, very intelligent. Uh, the Christian Sheridan is uh, he was the producer of the the video, and he was I guess the ringleader who made it all happen. But uh, they all brought a unique skill to the table, and I know nothing about CGI or you know the green screen kind of thing. They took me by the hand um and and they they just did a phenomenal job with it it's, it's fantastic i mean it blends it, it's spot on with all of the elements the the visuals what you're saying the points that you made everything packed into you know such a small so it's it is an attention grabber and you can't forget it once you see it it does stick with you which is you know, hopefully, you know what what you planned to begin with, but it is it's absolutely brilliant. Congratulations! Thank you, thank yeah. you. Did you write the script, or absolutely? Yeah, we uh, we really? yeah the campaign we worked on the script, and obviously uh, the attention span of human beings nowadays isn't quite what it was fifty years ago. So what was that? Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, uh, we could do this the movie. We were talking about the movie. That's yeah, right. all right. Um, so, yeah, we, we wanted to put in some of our message in there. And uh, the visual was to keep the attention. And I think we we definitely succeeded at uh, getting... Well, I think you more than succeeded. <laughs> Actually, just, just while we're on that subject, um, you were telling us earlier before the podcast about some of the media attention you'd received. Maybe you can talk about that for a minute. Okay. Uh, so it was... It was a Tuesday morning, and I was uh, I just jumped in, in the van, and I was heading to Chilliwack. Um, to uh, I was going out to Chilliwack to pick up something. 5.45 a.m., and I had NW on, and uh, Sean Leslie was in for John McComb. And he was going on and on and on about this video, and um, wasn't getting a lot of news out. And then I think it was Mike Smith, the Victoria analyst, came on, and they were talking back and forth, back, and then he, he said, go check out this video. you got to watch it right now. And um, Mike said to Sean, well, what's the name? And he said, my name. And I was kind of whoa, it was kind of surreal. Mm-hmm. And um, pretty much about 15 minutes after I heard that on NW, my phone started ringing, and it didn't stop ringing. Um, that wow. week, I think we were at 1,000 views that Tuesday morning, 
by Saturday evening that week, it was over a million views. And in between that Tuesday and Saturday, I think I probably did about 35 interviews, various interviews. Um, was on most major political talk shows in the United States. They played it on Jimmy Kimmel Live that week, uh, a bunch of other talk shows. I was on uh, Chris Matthews Hardball, um, you know, Fox, uh, and then, of course, all the Canadian ones, CBC, CTV, and Global. It was, uh, it was a whirlwind week, to say the least. That is really good. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Did you get any calls from any politicians? Anybody... I got a couple tweets. Yeah, I think that that's probably, you know, on Hardball, he was making a joke about we would never waste our time ever having a Canadian politician on our show. He says, but uh, you are worthy. So we're going to give you a minute of airtime, he wow. said. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, you know, I'm really curious. I'm really curious. Um you know, if Harper and Trudeau and Mulcair watch the videos, uh, my sixth sense tells me that it was brought to their attention. Oh, I'm sure it was. Absolutely. Yeah, and I'm kind of disappointed that I didn't at least get, uh, you know, a Twitter, uh, a tweet or uh, an email or something. Well, if, if you look in Bill C-51, you're actually mentioned in a <laughs> You're actually an enemy of the state. Now. <laughs> yeah, oh, I believe that for sure. I'm surprised that uh, I haven't been taken out already. <laughs> yeah, thank God we're at an undisclosed location. Yeah. <laughs> recording this podcast right now. Okay, well, so we went through the commercial, but, you know, some of our listeners might not know exactly who you are. So if you were to introduce yourself, what would you say? You know, I am I'd say, my name is Wyatt Scott. I live in Mission, British Columbia. I own and operate a business there. I am involved in the community. I'm with Rotary. I'm with the Optimist Club. I volunteer uh, in my community, and I know how fortunate I am to to live where I live and when I live. The people, my neighbors, the community, it's just, they're amazing. And um, I think that they deserve a lot better when it comes to uh, governance and, and their representation right now. And so I, I believe that by stepping up and running as an independent candidate for our newly formed riding, that they have an opportunity to select something a little better than what they're used to. So you're a different type of politician because you know when people think of politician they think of this. Oh, they can't find it. Can't find my joke. Oh wait, great. Never mind. I had a joke <laughs> set up here. <laughs> How do you know when a politician's lying? His lips are moving. Absolutely. That's right. You're obviously one of the hardest working guys I've seen working for trying to be elected. Um, why Thank did you, you decide to run, and why as an independent? Uh, I, I'm running for a few different reasons. Um, one of the one of the reasons is. Um, you know, we, we call it a democratic country, but I honestly believe that we do not live in a democratic country. There's always comparative, 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 comparative. Well, if you compare Canada to, you know, um, Zimbabwe or to um, Iran or North Korea, well, we live pretty good here. Well, well, sure we do, right? Um, uh, there's a lot of things about the Canadian political system and structure that mainstream Canadians have no idea about. I'll give you a for instance. Okay. In the general election, you have to be 18 years of age and a Canadian citizen to vote. Seems pretty straightforward, yes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, in the nomination process, this is where each of the parties goes out and they pick the guy or the girl who's going to be on that little 
flashy sign during the election, the candidate nomination process. During that nomination process, the parties themselves actually make up the rules as to how they pick that particular candidate. And each of the parties has their own guidelines or rules, but they're made by the parties themselves. There's no legislation, there's no laws, there's nothing that comes down from the top that tells them they have to adhere to these rules. So let's take the Liberal Party of Canada, okay? Uh, the candidate in my writing of Mission Matsqui Fraser Canyon, his name is Jatinder Sidhu. Now, when the people came out to pick a candidate for the Liberal Party, the criteria is much different. So again, general election, 18, and a Canadian citizen. But in that Liberal nomination race, you have to be only 14 years of age, and you do not actually have to be a Canadian citizen. You can't handle the truth! Okay, so I don't know if that's a bombshell for anybody who's listening, but... It totally is. You don't I, have to be a Canadian citizen. You don't have to be a Canadian wow. citizen. <clears throat> okay, so you, you do have to have a membership to the Liberal Party, which can be paid for, uh, it's a $10 payment. You're supposed to pay for it yourself. It can be paid for by anybody, really. Well, in a lot of cases it is. As we saw the Conservative nomination in our riding, uh, the initial candidate who won that candidacy, he was booted because it was proven that he cheated and he paid for some of those memberships. But um, I don't know, for me, it seems that you should have to earn the right of the citizenship before you can take part in the political arena in our country. In essence, people who are non-Canadian citizens are selecting our potential members of Parliament. Hmm. I love everybody. Don't get me wrong. I love everybody. We are a diverse nation, and we're a very eclectic society that's made up of immigrants from all over the world. We're all immigrants here, whether it's first, tenth, fifteenth generation, unless you're an indigenous person in this country. Now... Again, I think that you should have to earn the citizenship before you can come and take part in saying who's going to be running our country. Oh, yeah, that's totally fair. That's totally fair. So, yeah, that's how one about, of the reasons. How about when you're actually in government? Do you see what would you say would be an evolution of the, the democratic process as we have it now? Well, you're actually in. We, we, we need to have a bit more of a direct democracy. We need people to be more involved in the democratic process process. And I think perhaps there's a lot of different um, different routes that we could take to get there. I think with, with uh, technology the way it is, I, I'm shocked that we won't be able to vote online in this election. Mm -hmm. You would think in 2015 that we would be able to have access to go online and, and put your vote in, right? But we're not there yet. Perhaps perhaps the next federal election we'll get there. Um, but there's there's a lot of things that leave, um, I, I guess for me, that, that leave a, 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 lot of, uh, a lot of things up in the air. And, and I think that we need to bring legislation forward that, that say, says, especially for the nomination processes, that, that there are laws that govern all three parties. Because right now they're private entities and they make up the rules as they go. I think there should be a standard guideline and each of the parties adheres to that. Hmm. Gotcha. Interesting. So you'd be bringing... I want to change to Ottawa. Well, that's, that's what I hope, right? And, you know, if we use this word radical, people get scared. They're, oh, my goodness, they get scared. But 
what what are the what are the three party leaders you know or the two party leaders uh they they use this this c word um change 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 you know change 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 that's all you hear change 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 and the public they eat this stuff up they really really believe that well if i just vote for a different political party i'm going to have change and we may, in fact, get a couple little social changes, but we're not going to have what I call a shift in society. And a shift is ultimately what we need. And it needs to be a bit of a radical shift. I'm not talking about things going crazy overnight, but it needs to be a radical shift in the sense where we are much more responsible for ourselves and for our form of governance. Hmm. Interesting, because... Uh you know, uh, Mr. Harper, the Prime Minister, is not going to like your your shift. He certainly would like to keep things the way they are. And we could actually tap in. I've got this uh, wonderful uh, uh, machine here. We can tap into Ottawa. So have, hold on a sec, hold on a sec. And uh, I think we can... I think here's Mr. Harper and his... Uh, what he wants to do with you. Crush your enemies. See them driven before you. They hear a lamentation of the women. <laughs> So, sorry, Wyatt, you know you got a tough battle ahead there. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, <laughs> it's going to be uphill. But um, I'm here to stay the course, and um, I'm going to do what is right and what I think a majority of our people want at this point. So the, the one thing that's come out before, and it's on the table right now, it's kind of being talked about, is proportional representation. <clears throat> How do, how do you feel about that? What do you think that, that would be an evolution? What would be the benefits? Yeah, I think proportional representation is definitely a step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. I mean, our form of democracy is not perfect. It will probably never, ever be perfect. Right. But we can do a hell of a lot better than what we're doing right now. Proportional representation, I think, would be a bit more representative of the majority because at this point, you know, the status quo isn't necessarily the majority. They are the majority of the voters who turn out. Okay. So here's the tough one. <coughs> I think, if I'm correct, we, we actually had that uh, a referendum on that, at least in B.C. We did. Some yeah. time ago. You okay. bet. Yeah. And uh, we didn't get a majority. No, we didn't. Uh, and I'm not even sure. I'm not sure was that was a 60% needed or something? I, it like was, that? right but, around there, but, yeah. But we didn't get that. No, so how do you convince... Sorry? It was far from it, actually. Okay. I don't actually remember what the figures were. Oh, do you, it was do you remember? It was a, I think it was like 18% voted for it. Okay, it well, like that's really low. That's really strange to me. Uh, but it's on the table again, um, or at least it's being discussed. What wh what would you do to convince people to, uh, to get that forward, at least, or if, if that's your goal, or maybe you have something else in mind? Well, it, it comes down just to talking about things and educating people. Uh, what, did, what did Harper spend? You know, over three quarters of a billion dollars on on this action plan BS. I, I, I would get one in the mail every single week. If we weren't wasting government dollars on on those kind of things, we could be doing, you know, community halls where we're actually educating people. We we need to get into the schools at at a much earlier point you know the social social studies nine or whatever where they vaguely touch on the political system and we have to start teaching teaching you know from a nonpartisan stance in schools because i hear this the craziest things from people um you know oh i vote ndp because uh, i'm in a union right or uh, i vote for stephen harper because he's a christian and i'm a christian 
you know, or, well, I, I vote liberal because my parents vote liberal and they tell me to vote liberal. I, I, things like this, to me, are are crazy, mm-hmm. you know. Well, if they told you to jump off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge? Yeah, the, you see a lot of that. Um, I remember having a conversation with Karen, and she was exactly saying that. Her family, when you actually talk to them, uh, politically, they would actually align with the NDP, with what they believe in, but they always vote conservative because it's always been that way. Yeah, and you know, it's a for us for us atheists, it's like like we can align that with the Christians. You're a Christian, why? Because you were born into a Christian family, and that's the only reason. They they never actually gave it too much thought. I do hear that. Uh, the other thing I hear, uh, and I I personally think this election will be decided by non-voters. I but, think you're right because the stats seem to be that the non-voters in the last election were. Uh, such a heavy majority of people beyond, uh, I think it was 9 million people, I don't remember, uh, 5 million for the Conservatives, 4 million for the, the NDP, 3 million for the Liberals, I'm not really sure. Uh, but it was like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was something far and away greater for the um, uh, the non-voters. But, uh, yeah, it was like, like two-thirds, one-third. Yeah. One-third voted, two-thirds didn't. Yeah, so same people will say you know voting doesn't matter; it doesn't change anything. Yeah, and so what I hear constantly is people um, people are saying we don't want to vote, Uh, we're tired of the system, we can't make a difference, and that that seems to be the common refrain. Mm -hmm. And um, so, what what do you say to those people? Well, I've talked to a lot of those people Mm -hmm. in the last few months, um, and and a lot of those people I think are fed up with the current status quo. I think we are going. I hope we are going to see a large voter turnout. My goal in in our new riding is to have the largest voter turnout in all of Canada. That's that's my goal. That's a good goal. I, I think that those people and and I tell them, I say, listen, if you don't vote, you hold the power to change the course of history. You can go out on October nineteenth, and you can make this country better. And all it takes is going down and putting your mark on that ballot. And by the way, I think your employer has to, by law, give you uh, paid time off to go vote. I believe so, you're right. So, so that always kind of, you know, you give them a little bit of incentive, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, of course, our listeners will want to know something for sure because we're a bit of an atheist show anyway. Um, where do you stand? You know, the Americans call it separation of church and state. I don't think in Canada we have exactly that same wording for it, but where do you stand when it comes to religion and politics? Because I see a lot of that stuff, myself personally, I see it brought on by, especially the conservatives. Um, For the longest time, you would see Stephen Harper trying to do, say, stuff like, God bless Canada. Yet Rob Ford did the same thing. And every time he tries something like that, it's the reporters that start laughing, and then he kind of stops for a while. And then he tries to pop back up with something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, You as a politician, where do you stand on that? Well, I, you know, I'm very guarded to a certain certain respect on my spirituality, and um, I, I'm a very spiritual guy. Don't get me wrong; extremely spiritual. Boy, are you on the wrong show? Well, well, again, you know, I think everybody has a different meaning of spirituality, right? Uh, even religion. Uh, I'm very, very religious. I religiously uh, have a smoothie for breakfast every single day. <laughs> Um, oh, hold on, hold know, on. So again, it, it depends on... on this, uh, this is so worth... This it, is, it depends on... I still wanted to put that... I personally don't, don't believe that... Uh, I, I don't believe that uh, church and, and state uh, should have anything to do with one another. And a lot of my conservative friends, we argue this all the time. 
Uh, I do, however, you know, I think that Christian values are are a cool thing to live by, okay? Um, I mean, I treat people the way that I want to be treated. Uh, I talk to people the way that I want to be talked to. And and so there's a fine line there for a lot of people. Um, Church and state, though, come on. You know, I, I think that they're two totally separate realms, and as such, we should keep them separate. Canada as a whole, and, and this is something that I talk to a lot of people, I think that when you graduate from high school, I think we should have a Peace Corps. And I believe that anybody who graduates high school in this country, if they want, they should have an opportunity to travel to another country and go as a Canadian, go to represent our country. You go to that country, and when you're there, you're a part of a building project, you're a part of a Peace Corps thing, and you're learning that culture as well. You're learning how other people live. And you're seeing the world for what it truly is. So it's kind of like a cultural exchange. But those Canadians are also growing when they go out there. And so it's a worthwhile kind of a, kind of a program, I think, to, to institute because it not only benefits that country, but it benefits our country as well. It's going to build compassionate, caring Canadians and we can actually start to rebuild some of that Canadian characteristic and Canadian respect that at one point in time we had on this planet, that under this current administration we have definitely sunk down in the ranks. Oh, that's for sure. Although I'm glad you're do- if, you, if you get in and you decide to do this kind of Peace Corps, I'm glad you're doing it now and not when I was a teenager, because trust me, if my buddies coming out of high school <laughs> would not have been very good representatives of Canada as a whole. <laughs> you got a question, Nancy? You look like you've been asking Nancy for a question here. If you had to, and this is, it's always tough when you say, you know, the most important or just to line things up, but um, I'll ask it anyway. What are the three most important goals that you'd have to accomplish once you're in office? Or however you would prioritize, what do you think the most important goals for you? Wow, that's that's a great question, and it's a big question. It is a big question. Um, I, I, I think that uh, Canada has a black mark right now, um, and and that black mark is um, with the indigenous people of this country. How can we move forward when we have not reconciled with our indigenous people? How can we call ourselves a progressive, a positive, and you know, a powerful nation when we have these underlying issues in our country that have not been dealt with. You know, there's, there's, I think, I think the number, well, it's well over a thousand indigenous women who have been murdered or gone missing. And if you compare that to uh, the two Canadians who have died since 1995 from terrorism in this country, look at the wealth of resources we're wasting on, on, you know, trying to thwart terrorism. Why, why has, haven't we addressed this issue of our women who are going missing and murdered within our country? That, that's one thing that I think we need to get to the bottom of that. We need to find some sort of reconciliation. We need our indigenous people to be on side before we can move this, this nation forward. I think first and foremost, that is at the top of my agenda.
Um, and and one of the, I guess, the second thing, um, you know, and this would fall under um, everything else too, is is education. If you have a nation of people who are uneducated, how are we supposed to grow? How are we supposed to build? How are we supposed to learn? We we have probably some of the greatest wealth and abundance out of any nation on this planet. And you look at our population base, we're sitting around 35 million. That's a drop in the bucket compared to other nations and compared to the total population. And if you did it on a per capita basis uh, with, with the resources that we have, why are we charging fifty to $250,000 for an undergraduate degree in this country, which is little better than a high school diploma was 25 years ago. So if we have people all right, who are uneducated, how are they supposed to learn? How are they supposed to grow and make themselves and, in essence, their community and their country better? Well, they can't. So if we can address the education issue in this problem, which I think what they've done is they've turned it into a big business, and w- which is, is crazy to me because if you... Ask any politician, and this is a, a challenge that I say, go out go out and ask your politician. I, I, I say this to people every day. I challenge you to go ask your politician, what is the greatest resource or greatest asset we have in this country? 90% of the time, 99% of the time, you're going to get a stupid answer like uh, oil, water, trees. The greatest asset, the greatest resource we have in this country, our people. That's what it is. And once we start investing in our people, we are going to get a return unlike anything that we have ever seen. And if you want to equate it to a, a, a monetary stance, you know, you'll get back tenfold what you invest in it. But I think even greater than that, we're going to see our people who become educated become world leaders in every respect, innovation, technology, in compassion, in caring. We will become that nation that we once were, only we're going to be that much better. Well, we should be. We should be. Yes. Uh, any thoughts on climate change? Um, well, I think that uh, that's a very controversial issue. I am I'm a very green-friendly kind of a guy. Um, I'm just as guilty as everybody else, though. I, I drive a car. Um, it, it is only a, a four-cylinder vehicle. Um, I don't. I don't think that everybody needs these big, huge, you know, vehicles that are all decked out. And uh, you know, when I see a guy driving down the street in one of those, and he's gunning it, and there's diesel spewing out the back, and yeah, Nancy's got one of those. He's jacked up, and you, you know, I I use choice words for people like that. Um, <laughs> I I think that the fossil fuels are. Are here. I grew up in Alberta. I worked in the oil field. I got a Class One driver's license. I worked in the oil refineries down on the Gulf of Mexico. I, I see this, and, and have worked it firsthand. We have to start making that transition over to the green sector. The only way that we're going to be able to do that is utilizing the the current fossil fuels to build those infrastructures. But until we start doing that, we're not going to. Um, we're, we're not going to have those green sectors up and running anytime soon. And, and so I put an emphasis on this. Let's utilize the fossil fuels now and let's start building this green, this green sector because once the green, the green uh, infrastructure is set up, you're going to see all of these uh, 
all of these secondary uh, industries come up as well. The, the tradespeople will have so much work, they won't know what to do. Uh, the technology sector will just keep flowing and advancing and growing as well with the green sector. And, and so again, to me, this is common sense. Why are we still you know, putting so much investment and, and so much focus on the fossil fuels when we should be focusing on, on the green sector? Mm, yeah, totally. All right, I got a question. So, coming in October, what would you like voters to do? Coming October? Ha! Well, um, what an incredibly stupid question. <laughs> <laughs> I would like the voters to be part of Canadian history. That's what I want them to Ooh, do. Good answer. I think that uh, we are at a pivotal moment in history for Canadian politics and for our nation. There are 30 new federal seats in October, and six of those are in British Columbia, 30 of them nationwide. Our new riding, Mission Matsweet Fraser Canyon, is actually one of the six. And so there's no incumbent, no dirty old politician there to to do, you know, to try and fight for his seat for the 20th time. Um, all fresh faces. And, and I'm doing this because I really, I, you know, I, in my brain, it, it says that people want a choice. They want an option. They want something better, something different. And, of course, we've been brought up with this indoctrine and this mindset that we have to vote for a political party. We have to vote for a political party because if we don't, we're wasting our vote. Oh, if we vote for an independent, we're going to screw up the dynamic and the possible makeup of the government. And, and that's what a lot of people actually believe. But the strongest possible outcome we could ever truly have, especially for our new riding, is to have an independent in the House of Commons. No matter who becomes the governing party, they will be vying for our attention and our vote. We could possibly be a swing vote. And that would put us in a very, very unique situation. Yeah, like Chuck Kenman was a few years ago for the Conservatives. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and so we do see this arise sometimes. And again, I tell people, if you want to have a voice in Ottawa, vote for an independent. Put an independent in the House of Commons. Because it doesn't matter who the governing party is, they are going to be much more likely to work with an independent than they would with another party member. So the, it opens up a lot of doors, and it really creates a lot of opportunity, but we have to fight this old-school mentality that, oh, what can one person do? Oh, an independent in the House will never do anything. No, it's absolutely the exact it's, opposite. It's an interesting discussion. I, I had a similar one not too long ago, and it seems like politics is the one great thing that, well, not necessarily great, but the one thing the politics definitely does is is make you choose between the the your the person who is your highest aspiration and the the worst thing you could possibly imagine necessarily in some cases so and that seems to be the challenge for a lot of people but good for you for keeping it positive thank you thank you hmm. i'm a very positive person some people say i'm obnoxiously optimistic some days <laughs> <laughs> not a bad thing at all i think i don't think so either well, speaking of optimism, this is a more of a philosophical type of a question, but you're you're so intelligent and you're committed and your your heart and mind seem Thank as you. though they're in, in the right 
place, which is a, a great beginning. You mean that you've got a lot of things that motivate you to go in the right direction, to really help the writing that you represent. And once people get into politics and they have to deal with the realities, mm-hmm. they do sometimes one of two things. They they <clears> give up or they become part of the bureaucracy You're right. and they stuck. You're right. What ways have you thought of that are going to be able to help you keep this enthusiasm mm-hmm. and keep your mm-hmm. ethics and keep moving forward for your own sanity sure. and, and your own career and also to help your writing? That's a, that's a great question. Uh, Sid Parker was a two-time MP, and he actually lives in my writing. He's come out a few times, and we've sat down and we've talked, and he's given me all sorts of pointers. And he says, you know... On Wednesday, we had to go to caucus meeting, and we had to blah, 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 sit there and listen to all this drony stuff. He says, you're not going to have to do that as an independent. He says, get yourself a great researcher, go to the library, and work on the stuff that is pertaining to your writing. And the thing about politics, okay, it's called partisan politics. And I always always ask people, do you know what the word partisan means? And, And most people say, no, I don't. Well, the word partisan... It means to create division, to divide and separate people. So basically, the Canadian form of politics, partisan politics, is meant to divide and separate Canadians. Think about that for a second. Wrap your brain around that. Wouldn't it make sense that we should be unified and work together? Wouldn't it make sense that we would be able to accomplish a lot more? I have I have ideologies across the spectrum, okay? I have I have liberal ideologies, I have socialist ideologies, I have conservative ideologies, all right? I would say I'm kind of fiscally conservative, but I'm socially, you know, on the left. Yeah. yeah. Um so you know, when when we have these things and we have to vote for big blue, big red or big orange, I think that we're forced to almost compromise some of our values and some of our ideologies. Myself I've been working on this since last year. Since last July, I've been working on this campaign. And I have talked to a lot of people in my writing. Typically, a party will go after a voter block. Um, You know, let's say the NDP, they typically will go after unions. Uh, The conservatives, they like to go after organized religion. Okay? The, The parties, they pick their vote and they go after it. Now, I talk to people across the spectrum as well. I talk to conservatives. I've talked to liberals. I talk to NDPers, to the Greens. And basically what I believe is that by talking to all of those people and listening to all of the people in my community, in my constituency, I'm actually being created right now by my constituents. And I am, in essence, a reflection of what they need and what our constituency wants. And so I would then take that forward and I could relay that on to Ottawa. And I think that that's a much better way of doing it because if you pick the NDP candidate, that NDP candidate is forced to vote how his party tells him. He has no independent thought whatsoever once he gets to Ottawa. If he went against what his party told him to vote, well, he would be kicked out of the party. How is that democratic? There's nothing democratic about that. When a bill comes to the floor, whether it's it's uh, whether it's uh, Trudeau or Harper or Mulcair, whatever one of these guys becomes the next prime minister, when a bill hits the floor, I'm going to study that bill and I'm going to vote on that bill according to what would best benefit my constituency, 
my community, and more so, my country. I'm not towing party lines. I'm not doing what I'm told. I am voting on it how it would best reflect our community. Well, I was about to say, well, you got you got the mic now. You might as well plug yourself, but I think you just did that. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you'd want to add where people can find you? And uh, I have a website, wyattscott.ca. I'm on Facebook as well. Um, and you can find all the other social media um, addresses on there. Um, I just want to say that October 19th is the day that we can actually take a step in the right direction. And I don't give any BS promises. That's the one thing I don't. Every other party, every other leader, they're giving BS, BS promises. I am not going to give anybody a BS promise. I will simply say that if you support me on October 19th, I will fight for you. I will fight for our community, our constituency, and our country. That's the bottom line. Awesome. Thank you, Wyatt. Time for Moran. All right, and we're off with the usual little fanfare typical of Canadian life. The process of deciding the next batch of members of Parliament has begun, and at the sound of the collective yawn. One doesn't need to be psychic or to place a bet on what usually happens in Canadian politics. The left is divided and bickers, grasping at straws, looking for glory while trying to save the world. The right tries its damned best to convince you that the sky is falling, the economy is the only thing that matters, and the archaic policies... Their archaic policies will help navigate their made-up problems of our society, which they think will crumble without their guidance. After all, who would Jesus vote for, right? In the meantime, the Canadian voter is uninterested, apathetic, and longs for this tragedy to be over. You'll hear people sigh about the lack of honesty, the lack of humor, and especially the lack of hope when going to the ballot box. And most will stay at home, ensuring the proverbial status quo. Voters in the writing of Mission Fraser Canyon have a chance to change that. They have Wyatt Scott, a local guy. Great sense of humor, original, thoughtful, and driven. But Kev, he's an independent. His odds are slimmer. So what? People need to realize that if everybody said that, I'd vote for him, but I don't think he'd make it. Did just that, he'd make it. The same people need to open their eyes and notice that two-thirds of Canadians don't vote. And with the ones who do, the one-third, one-third of that one-third actually votes. And those voters decide who will run this country. Your vote won't change anything? Are you shitting me? So your homework today, take a few minutes, get informed, go out there and meet these people, putting their name on the line, especially those without huge money behind them. Don't vote along party lines. It's the same thing as being Christian because your folks were. Put some thought into it and who you'd vote for and do it. Otherwise, guys like him. Remember that guy? The cranky old white man who was out of touch with reality? Remember that guy? I think you're a piece of lying shit and your media with you. What's your name? Don't stuff yourself. Yeah, remember that guy? Make the decision, man, because if you don't, these guys do, because they vote. And we can't afford to let our future fall into the hands of people who still think that climate change isn't real, and Jesus is coming back any minute, and the 50s was the pinnacle of human society. We can't afford to do that. So go out there and vote. Well, that takes us to the end of our show. I want to thank everybody that was here. Nancy, it's always a pleasure to have you. Oh, it's great to be back. Dan... Thank you so much for coming, buddy. You, uh, you have thank a, you for having me. You have a great insight. I hope to see you here again. Possibly. Absolutely. And Wyatt, thank you so much for your time, buddy. I mean, uh, Thank you for having me. I really appreciate uh, any opportunity to get up and uh, share my message. Yeah, you're always welcome back. Um, I know the campaign is going to gear into high gear very soon, and you're going to be busy as hell, but we'd love to have you 
maybe before the October, October well, maybe not October 19th. It's soon. <laughs> it's soon already. But we'd love to have you back. We'd love to come back. Anyway. Perfect. Um, you guys can always follow us at uh, www.leftedvalley.com. You can look us up on Facebook. You can go on Block Talk Radio. If you sign up on Block Talk, they will send you an email whenever we're about to air. Uh, coming up soon, we have a Sasquatch hunter that's supposed to, we're supposed to be interviewing. That should be interesting. I'm still working out some bugs with the Matt Dillahunty interview. have much more interesting things coming up on Left of the Valley. In the meantime, we will leave you, we will leave you with a song. This is a protest song. It's called Harper Man, a protest song. We'll leave you with that. Until next time. Who controls our parliament? Harper Man! Is all dissent. Harperland, Harperland. The Duffy handout incident. No respect for environment. Harperland, it's time for you to go. Who's the king of secrecy? Harperland, Harperland. Who has slashed the CDC? Harperland, Harperland. No money for PTSD. Accuses good judge Beverly. Harperland, it's time for you.
the right of the right wing. Harperman, Harperman, ignores the cause of everything, but to ideology will cling. Harperman, it's time for you to go. Well, who reveres Uncle Sam? Thank you. 